no doubt. I think we, we came out of the gates, you know, kind of peak play last year, and, and then there was nowhere to go but down, and it's definitely nowhere to go but up um, for us from where we started week one, and, and uh, our guys have responded well, and, and I think we understand two and two. There's a lot of really, really good teams in this league that are two and two right now, and, and it's, it's a new season moving forward, and um, second quarter of the season, how we kind of do it, and uh, we got to try and play better starting Sunday. Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Cardinals, says weekly visit with uh, Wolf and Luke mm-hmm. on the subject of improving each week this season. Unlike last, yeah, it's been a different trajectory early. A different trajectory, really, than the first last two years for the Cardinals, where um, both of the seasons in 2020 and 2021, they got off to good starts. Uh, this year, trouble finding their footing, still have not yeah. scored a point in the first quarter in four games. They had 31 points in the first quarter last year uh, through four games. Yeah. And had been outscored at that point. Right. Um, 27 to... Um, Actually, they, they never mind. Yeah, uh, never mind. But but they had scored right. consistently in the first quarter last year. Yeah. So the trick is going to be now if if the Cardinals can take what they did in the second half and play like that from the start of a football game and do it against a good team. Uh-huh. Can you check both those boxes? Can you do what you did in the second half at the very start of a game, which is play with rhythm and urgency and intensity? And can you do it against a good team? It could not have translated less. The last time. That's right. From the Raiders to the Rams. That's right. And it's and so that's where you have to be. That, to me, is where you have to tread carefully. Because there are a lot of Kool-Aid drinkers in the Valley who, who want to run uh, for miles with just the slightest inkling of hope. And, and we've already been burned on that once with this football team. So I'm very curious to see what this team looks like when they take the field. I will say this. Um, I, I'm encouraged by the defensive spirit that the team showed last week. Uh, yep. I, I think a lot of that comes from J.J. Watt, and I think I think there's a difference here because if, if you spend a lot, if you've spent years watching football, covering football, one of the most interesting things to me are team dynamics when you get teams that big. When you get a locker room with that many dudes and that many subsets and that many rooms, how, do you, how does it all work together, right? Like, like today, I've read reports in the last couple of days how some people in Tampa Tampa on the Bucks are getting real tired of this Giselle drama, and they're poking fun at Tom Brady behind his back in the locker room. There's a lot of that stuff going on in the Tampa locker room. All right, so and I'm, I'm saying that to give a view that this is the stuff that happens in a real locker room. So generally, when you get a defense that is balling out and trying their hardest and maxing out what they have, and you get an offense that's doing exactly the opposite, generally there's some friction, and it can tear a team apart. I, I think the difference in this team is... Is they they look at Kyler Murray and they don't see an offense that just they're never going to win. Like if you had Josh Rosen, if Josh Rosen was the quarterback of this football team, you might have a mutiny because the defense would know we ain't got no shot. They know Kyler Murray has got all this potential. I think if anything, it's they need Cliff Kingsbury to lift this offense, Josh Rosen, and get him rolling from the start of football games and get him stoked. And get them motivated and get them inspired and get them in rhythm. That's what you have to do. And so I think that's that's what you're waiting on. You're not waiting on the quarterback. You're waiting on the head coach to get this offense rolling and max out the tools the way Vance Joseph seems to be doing with the defense. And again, this is I'm basing this against you know two bad opponents, two bad teams they beat. 
But defensively, the defense wasn't really the issue against the Rams, although it kind of was at the beginning of the game. I don't know. who. And the Rams' offense is a mess anyways. Yeah. Um, I agree with you that it's up to the head coach to unlock this offense right now because we've seen this offense roll. Um, you know, last year when they were reeling off wins, 400 yards of offense and 30 points was kind of the standard. It was just an every week thing. You're going to put that up and see if you can keep up with, with the Cardinals. Well, Cliff Kingsbury still has not proven. He didn't prove it in year one. And yeah, there was a lot of challenges that year taking over a three-win team. I get it. You had a rookie quarterback. But when they do not have DeAndre Hopkins, this is a very average offense in terms of production. Yeah, right. And he's got two more games he's going to miss before he comes back. Um, how well can you navigate without him? I, I still, and, and you know, I think DeAndre Hopkins is an, an amazing football player. Mm-hmm. Does he cure all the ills? Because not only is it six weeks of ills and habits and tendencies that you've delivered before he comes back this year. They played without him at the, t- at the tail end of last year, too. So you've got, you know, the the bad trappings of parts of two seasons that have all piled up now. One wide receiver, does he unlock it? You know, if he does, I'll come on the air and say I was wrong. I don't think he fixes everything. He, he makes things better. But it, the, still, uh, at 2-2 two and two with the optimism of 2-2 two and two with the way the Cardinals have played, that is a major disappointment that they were not better equipped and prepared to deal with not having number 10 out there. Yeah, the difference, I think, with uh, the difference this year, at least in what people are hoping is going to happen, it's that by the time D-Hop returns, Hollywood Brown is going to be at a different level in terms of who he is and in terms of a game-changer, playmaker kind of guy. Do you trust Cliff and Kyler to be able to work in two receivers? No, to the offense. It, it, listen, it, it's I don't I don't I don't trust any of them. I don't trust anything about this offense. I mean, seriously, it, it's it is so scattershot and it it is so yucky in first halves. I mean, you just look at it and you go, what What are you guys working on? Yeah. Um, Verticality in the passing game has obviously been an issue, as we pointed out earlier on the show. It got a little bit better in the second half when they were freed up by having a lead or playing even with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Wolf and Luke asked Cliff Kingsbury, hey, do you you need more shots down the field? I I do, and I I think when you have, when you get, you know, a full array of weapons and you have Hop working underneath them and and Rondell and Ertz and and then have a guy like that who can really take the top off, um, have some size over there with with, uh, Antoine and AJ, then you have a really good mix of weapons, and um, we'll see kind of where the offense goes at that point. Yeah, but... That's all well and good, but again, that's dependent on DeAndre Hopkins coming in to work the underneath. You still have Hollywood Brown. Why can't the other guys that are available to you now work the underneath and well, use Brown to stretch? And yes, you saw it on the yes, second half. Yeah. Doesn't even count as a pass attempt. But they take a deep shot to Hollywood Brown, who's behind the defender, 37-yard pass interference call. Leads to a touchdown. Yeah. And that that stuff is that's as good as a completion. Mm-hmm. And no, you're right. It's it's it doesn't have to wait. And and the way that they deployed Rondell Moore on Sunday made me very very suspicious. Until he they, worked the underneath, he was underneath Kyler Murray, <laughs> turning around and, and throwing. By the throw. way, on his four, uh-huh. Rondell Moore touched the ball four times mm-hmm. on offense, and got absolutely drilled on three of those four touches. Yes, he did. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world, no. but man, he got punished on those three hits. Right, and at some point in time, you'd be like, come on, coach, can you get me some space? Mm-hmm. 
Can you get me downfield, please, well, away from these cats? And last night we saw San Francisco, who has the ultimate weapon, in my opinion, if you want to run that dink and dunk offense and give it to a guy and hope that he breaks tackles and make plays. Debo Samuel's that guy. Not every team has a Debo Samuel. The Cardinals don't have a Debo Samuel who's just going to run through tackles and run with a physicality uh, and turn a four-yard pass into a 57-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. They just don't have that. So a lot of times for the Cardinals, those four-yard passes turn into four-yard gains. That's it. Yeah. And and so that, that's that's that that's what holds me back when I think about okay what we saw on Sunday can it be sustained? Uh, the, the the answer is well the answer is very complicated because there's a lot of things that go into winning a football game and when you're playing a really good quarterback it becomes monumentally more difficult mm-hmm. and 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 when you're not playing an elite quarterback it 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 can really calm a football team down and i think a lot of a lot of the feeling that the cardinals had in the second half was okay even though we are stinking it up offensively that team has got nothing to hurt us with mm-hmm. it's like being in a fight like a boxing match right you ever heard the styles make fights Vinny? it's look, being, not for nothing look so it's being in a boxing match and you get out of the third round you're like this guy can't hurt me and, and I think I think the team was buoyed by that. We're going to see what happens when they start playing really good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We'll see how we'll see how sturdy this defense is. Then yeah. Grammy Award winning Muse is headed to Desert Diamond Arena on April second, twenty twenty three. Tickets go on sale this Friday, but you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports dot com. Coming up next, are we about to see a major shift in philosophy with Arizona State football? The guy calling the shot says yes. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. All right, and then the last question is, are uh, you going to bring Deion Sanders in as the head coach? <laughs> I get a lot of messages about Dion, and, and, and Dion seems to be like uh, just in his early age of, of, of learning how to be a coach. Uh, we're going to find the, the most fantastic football coach that we can. I, I can tell you one thing, that that ASU football is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried some experiments. Uh, they've they've uh, worked a little bit. Uh, they haven't worked in other ways. Uh, we're going to now uh, move forward. We're going to expand our investments. We're going to... Uh, uh, take full advantage of all the opportunities that uh, that the state of flux is providing in the way that college football is being run, and we're gonna we're gonna regroup and move forward to victory. I mean, that's that's the only method that we've got here. Dr. Michael Crow, president of Arizona State University, last week on the Mike Broomhead show on our sister station KTAR KTAR News ninety two three FM, uh, and that got a little bit of attention because it uh, indicates at least verbally, Bick. A change in philosophy, a change in thinking yeah. where, you know, the, the the stress hadn't been necessarily with football and men's basketball in, in years past with ASU. The, the revenue generating sports for any athletic program, there seemed to be this championing of the Olympic sports, which is a nice sentiment. Mm-hmm. But how is it helping your university? I thought it was interesting to hear Dr. Crow talk about, hey, we have had some experiments. Some have worked. Some have not. No. Your experiment failed miserably. Um, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Hire a good football coach who can build a program. Yes. Now, does that, you know, to, to hear him say, 
we're going to hire the most fantastic coach that we can. Is that possible with things still looming against ASU football in terms of NCAA penalties? That's the question. Yeah, I, I think... I think the answer is maybe. I think because I, I, I'm not sure the NCAA is even going to exist a year from now, and I'm not sure their enforcement arm uh, has any muscle left to it. So I, I don't know. I think I think a lot of these things are just going to dissolve. I think all ASU needs is a new direction and a, and, and a new pr- product on the field, and, and maybe you can start recruiting that all over again. I think let's just back up and deal with, with the, the bigger issue here, and that is uh, this is is very encouraging if Michael Crow is really speaking from the heart here because when when you talk to ASU alum that are frustrated that ASU can't even bring themselves to be as good as Kansas or Iowa or schools like that, it, it's because ASU has never fully financially committed what it takes to be that. They've tried to innovate their way into the top of college football. And we know Michael Crow and that word innovation. We Listen, you, you, you talk to any professor in any department and they're all incentivized to innovate. Innovate. You want to get ahead in your department, you better innovate something. Innovate. And so I think this... This athletic department is is thought we can we can do this. We're smarter than everybody, and I think they've come to a very humbling realization, or at least they should, that there's no shortcuts. You have got centuries of best practices built into college football. You have got universities that do it at the highest level and have it down to a science, a very expensive science, but they have it down to a science. You're not going to innovate your way to the top in college football. So so if they have finally realize that okay you know what this isn't gonna work then good that's the first step if if maybe that phase of hey we can be just as powerful of as an athletic department if we're good in golf and swimming and wrestling and I, I hope they've had that realization that it, that it's things there are things that move the meter and things that don't and yeah. it might not be fair it might not be what you like but that's the way the world works. Yeah. So if this is truly an epiphany, it's what is needed. It's really baseline and germane to what is needed. Now, ASU skeptics are going to say, well, why is Ray Anderson involved? And, well, I don't that's, have, that's, and I don't have the answers to those questions. That's the big That's the big question right now. How involved will he be? Now, he has gone on record and said that he will be involved with the process, whether it's him uh, conducting the search or a search committee. I want to go back to something you said. I agree fully. You can't innovate your way to the top. But the part that I'll disagree with you on is there are shortcuts now. Mm-hmm. The transfer portal is very much a shortcut. And ASU saw it up close and personal on Saturday night. Now, is USC an extreme example that doesn't have to play by the same rules as Arizona State does? Absolutely. But they went, they made a big-name co- big coaching hire, which they hadn't done in a while. I mean, they stuck with Clay Helton for a long time. He was not exactly a sexy hire. Mm-hmm. They go out and get Lincoln Riley. He brings in 19 transfers, top-flight transfers, including players from Oklahoma. You know... It, Caleb Williams is the key to USC. What he did to ASU in demoralizing them on third downs was the difference in that game. They're ranked sixth in the country with all those new players. They've got more new players on their roster than ASU does, Mm -hmm. but it's a detriment for ASU. It's a plus for USC. That is how you shortcut your way quickly. 
again, I don't know how possible it is for ASU to take advantage of those shortcuts that are in place now with the transfer portal because the uncertainty of, of, of the whole penalty phase of this. Now, right. your point about the NCAA maybe going bye-bye, that's interesting. But does that help them in this current coaching search? I don't know. Yeah, this is, um, as Dave Pash said in his last appearance, this, he, he thinks this is going to be their most single most important hire they have ever made because if an expanded playoff is coming to college football and the Pac-12 is going to get watered down, yet still be afforded a playoff spot, then he's right in saying ASU should be competing for that every single year. Look, the the two teams going to the Big Ten are, what, 10-0 and 0 right now? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're, you're essentially losing the powerhouses of the conference, it's right there. It's right for there. For ASU. They didn't take advantage of it being right there when USC was down for the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. This is a chance to do that. And, and again, the transfer portal is there, and I think you can use it to your advantage, and you can use it wisely, and it might bring a level of parity to the sport. But I also think you are going to have to have a super-funded mechanism in place to recruit at the highest level and not rely on the people who are looking to bounce off to a second relationship. Well, that's true, to too. To be a first choice and for it, a recruit. And then that shortcut plan that I talked about, the transfer portal, that's mm-hmm. only one prong. The back end of that is, is, is the addition of the NIL. Yeah. That yeah. Kids are not going to transfer somewhere if there's not a money attached to it. So that's that, right. That's where the innovation needs to come in. And yeah. I know and Michael Crow mentioned, mentioned NIL in that cut you played. Yes, he did. Uh, right now, the reality for ASU football, the athletic ranks all 131 FBS programs on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. They are number 101 out of 131. Ooh. Among Power 5 teams, uh-huh. there's only two schools below them. Northwestern is 111th, and Colorado, who just fired their head coach, is 128th. This yeah. is well, that's this good. is new and not good ground for ASU. No, they're one in four for the first time since 1976, and they got another ranked opponent coming to Tempe on Saturday. Yeah. So um, again, I, I took I was not expecting to hear Michael Crow say those words to Mike Broomhead. But I but if if that is legit and they've had that kind of awakening, I that's good news because that's where it's got to start. It's got to start with him and his vision and what he is willing to slice off to build this football program. And to hear him say this program is very important to me is good because it's very yes. important to a lot of people. But this coaching hire is very important for a number of reasons. And there seems to be a lot of ASU fans that are guarded against, well, you don't want to get the wrong guy who's just going to come in here and improve the program and, and leave it and, and go on to a better job. That's happened, I think, once in the Pac-10, Pac-12 era for ASU. John Cooper's the only guy that ever left ASU for a bigger, better job. Huh. Everybody else got fired. Why play small if you're an ASU fan? You have nothing to lose right now. No. Shoot for the stars. Or the keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and again, and it's, it's so dead to hear him say we've tried some some experimental things that maybe didn't work. That's good. That's that's at least r- acknowledging what the issue is. Not yes. good that they did them, but no. good that they were acknowledged yeah. as failures. Yeah, because it's better than Ray Anderson saying we've made progress. That's right. No, it, you have. We're better off when we when uh, now than when Herm took over. No, no, you're, you not. Ha- no right. you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, no. Uh, coming up next, the big stories of the day. Sarah will take us through them in the Rush Hour reboot. It's Pickley and Murata. Mornings live from the Auction Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 
93.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. A very happy Tuesday to all of you listening, whether you are driving your kids to school, going to work, listening at, at home with your coffee, whatever it is that you are doing. Thank you for tuning in for the Rush Hour Reboot. We are taking you through the top stories of the day. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hi. <laughs> with Vince Murata. I've played that one before. That's actually The Cure doing The Beatles. I, I never knew that say, existed until that's today. Not the Beatles. I didn't know that that cover existed. That's eight either. years old, and what? I just found it today. Wow. And Jarrett Carlin. You know, Antonio Brown is a turd. <laughs> <laughs> say that again. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's. Lareth knew. That's that guy, our top story of the day. That guy will never go away. No, he really won't. He really will not. All right, we are through week four of the NFL season, friends. And with that, the Cardinals announced yesterday that they have designated three players to return from injured reserve. That is wide receiver Antoine Wesley, cornerback Antonio Hamilton, and backup quarterback Colt McCoy. Here is the Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury talking with reporters about those three guys yesterday. The wideouts being banged up to get Tweezy back will be, be really good. And then Colt um, has played at a high level when he's had his opportunity, so that'll make us all feel better. And uh, Hamilton was, was playing as good as any DB we had, and so we'll have to get him back up to speed, football shape, all those things, but definitely is, is nice to have those guys back and give us some depth at, at positions we needed it. Yes, some reinforcements coming back for the Cardinals. So of Tweezy! Those, Tweezy, I know, what a fun name. Uh, of those three guys, again, Antoine Wesley, Antonio Hamilton, and Colt McCoy, who do you think could make the biggest, most immediate impact for the Cardinals, having them back? Yeah, yeah, Antonio uh, Hamilton is, uh, to me, the clear choice. I think um, having Colt McCoy back as the backup, you don't want to see him play anyways. And I, I think offensive weapon-wise, even though Antoine Wesley gives them a, a tall target, which is something they don't have a lot of, I they've already got plenty of weapons. So to me, being having somebody to shore up the secondary, that's that's where, where I'm looking. Yep. Uh, Antonio Hamilton is the correct answer, in my opinion. Okay. Yes. Let's move right along then. Uh, heading into this season, you know, there was a lot of talk of receivers and corners and linebackers may be the most talked about position group for the Cardinals. Uh, here is Kingsbury again yesterday speaking about Isaiah Simmons, who made a huge jump in defensive snaps against the Panthers. 83% of the Cardinals' de- defensive snaps on Sunday. Uh, here is Kingsbury talking about Simmons. He's earned it. He's, um, you know, that's three weeks in a row he's made big strides, and, and that's what he asked him to do, practice and games, and um, we want him to keep coming, but uh, that that's a credit to him and, and his response to, to really the challenge of, hey, each and every day each and every game each rep let's uh, let's get better and strain and, and um, been really impressed with how he's responded okay so four weeks into the season what is your take on Isaiah Simmons and the larger linebacker core um, I, I know Cliff Kingsbury said he earned it Nick Vigil's played a lot this year he played four snaps because he got hurt I think there was a, a, nece- a, a necessary bump in the number of snaps that Isaiah Simmons played. That being said, he was okay. We talked about I it yesterday. Much. He I, didn't uh, notice. No. He didn't notice him good or bad. No. So you know he was there. So but I, yeah. 
So I guess he's okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think. I think. You, I think. I'm, I'm more optimistic about Zayvon Collins being able to uh, be a run stuffer and and bring some physicality to the defense, adding something like that to the mix without without making mental errors. So yeah. that that's the way I look at. I it. mean, Pro Football Focus had Isaiah Simmons rated as their fourth worst Cardinal defender on, on Sunday. Yeah, Again, I didn't notice him do much anything. Yeah. Woof. Is it a step in the right direction that you didn't notice him much, you know, negatively as I, we have in past games? I guess. I mean, that's a low bar. I, it, it is. It, it, because we have noticed him making mistakes in the past, and he has had a couple of big plays as well. I just, I, I, I'm, honestly, I'm tired of talking about Isaiah Simmons. I just want him to be able to, to wrestle down a role in this defense where it's not this mystery and this constant questioning of sure. why didn't he play? How's he practicing? Show it, it, it on it, the field. Yeah, yeah. it's right. just, it's, yeah. it's tiring at yeah. this point. I hear you. All right. Well, then let's talk about a defense that doesn't have nearly as many questions as uh, maybe the Cardinals defense does. In Monday Night Football last night, we saw the 49ers hold the Rams to nine points that is their lowest point total of the young season. And Nick Bosa, part of that defense, said post game that the 49ers defense is the best in the NFL. I think it's best in the league. That's kind of our mindset every year. And, and this year we have the personnel to do it. Not not that we haven't in the past, but um, just all, all three levels is elite players. Did you see the tiny backpack Nick Bosa was wearing in his post-game press conference? Not. It was hilarious. Chandler Jones used to carry around a little one of those, too. Yeah. And I'm not sure they're tiny. I think they just look tiny on these guys because they're tiny. gargantuan. Hold me closer, true. tiny backpack. <laughs> Tremendous. All right, so he's not just saying, Nick Bosa, that they are the best in the league. They actually, the numbers check out. The 49ers have allowed the fewest points per game, 11.5. They are tied with the Bills for first in total defense. They rank second in passing yards allowed behind the Bills and second in rushing yards allowed behind Kansas City. Now, Dan Bickley, in the last hour or so, you said that the 49ers should be the team that wins the NFC West. What do you think about the NFC as a whole? Where do the 49ers stack there? There's the yeah, Eagles, the yeah. Packers, the Bucks. Right. Uh, to clarify, I think what the 49ers did was they established themselves as the front runner of the NFC West last night by handling the defending Super Bowl champions as, as easily as they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, And I think that's sort of what Jimmy Garoppolo is bringing them. Stability at quarterback to allow the rest of that roster to shine. It's going to end up maybe being the best thing that happened to him. Uh, in terms of the NFC, yeah, listen, I, I, I think that the Packers... To me, it's it's all going to depend on what this Packers offense becomes in the next six weeks mm-hmm. because they got a lot of young receivers, and if if they can if they can develop um, some downfield threats on that offense, I think they're going to be there. I do not believe Tampa is going to be there. I think that team is not right. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I think San Francisco, Philadelphia. Green Bay, those to me right now are the front runners in the NFC. Green Bay's defense has played really well. I agree with Aaron Rodgers. What he said after Sunday was this: he said, "This is not sustainable. We can't win this way mm-hmm. uh, consistently." So I, I've got them a notch lower. I, Philadelphia and San Francisco to me are are the two top teams in the NFC. Okay, you've been rebooted. Oh, we have been. You have been rebooted. rebooted. We uh, need to be rebooted. Every day at 7.30. Fun, fun guy coming up next. Yes, we do. Uh, it is time first 
for character counts presented by Parker and Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Minnesota defensive back and former Desert Edge football standout Stephen Ortiz Jr. signed an NIL deal with the goal of raising money for Hurricane Fiona relief in Puerto Rico. Uh, Ortiz Jr. partnered with The Kitchen, a new eatery in Minneapolis, to create a meal named after the Goodyear native. The meal came out on October 1st, and all proceeds from the meal will go to hurricane relief efforts for the first month that hits the menu. Hurricane Fiona hit the U.S. T- territory at the end of September, leaving many without power all week. Uh, well done by uh, Stephen Ortiz Jr. Character Counts presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. And they're looking for their next student-athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Text CHARACTER to 620-620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next, we'll talk some football with Jay Feely, CBS Sports Analyst. That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. He's tremendous. I, I told our staff, I mean, he's one of the best decision makers in the, the league as far as um, where to go with the football, when to throw it, when to tuck it, when to, you know, make plays. And he's always been a winner. I mean, I remember recruiting him in high school and um, just legendary work ethic, whether it was in high school or at Alabama or now at Philly. You hear stories of how late he's there and how hard he's working, and it pays off. I mean, he's a tremendous talent. Uh, they've done a great job building that offense around him, great O-line, great skilled position players, and, and he's really operating at a high level. That is uh, Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, talking about Jalen Hurts, the quarterback the Cardinals will face when the undefeated Eagles come to town Sunday at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. Uh, and we've had a lot of discussion, Bick, this year about you know K- Kyler Murray in the run game, whether it's scrambling or designed runs. Yep. The Eagles use Jalen Hurts a lot in the designed run game. 53 carries for Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. through four games, four touchdown runs. Oh, and he'll lower his shoulder indeed, too. Yes, because the video, it's it's been viral for a few years, but uh, Jalen Hurts and his uh, weightlifting prowess at Oklahoma, the guy's basically a powerlifter playing quarterback. That's how strong he is. Hmm. So if you want an extreme example of a quarterback in the in the designed run game... He might be the guy. He's the guy. I think yeah. even more so than Josh Allen. His, uh, his toughness is something else. His teammates, from what I'm told, absolutely adore the guy because of that toughness. And it, it's really it's interesting to me that that is, is such a commonality among quarterbacks who are beloved in their own locker room. Because that's one of the issues with our guy, right? Mm-hmm. Just general toughness. And I, I think he's gotten better. Um, but in the case of Jalen Hurts, you can go back at the end of last year. I think he was in Washington. And that fan toppled out of the stands on top of him. You remember that? Yeah, when the fence collapsed. The fence collapsed, and it could have been, I mean, it could have been a very damaging incident. It could have ended Jalen Hurts' career. Yeah, Yeah. and he just acted like, oh, that, yeah, whatever. And And then he helped the guy up and took a picture with him? (laughs) That's right. You remember it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and so I I, I think that's the kind of guy you're getting. I think you're getting a a quarterback that's a dual threat and kind of the breakout star of the season a little bit. Now, you know, maybe 
maybe that gives you hope as a Cardinal fan that maybe he's due for a bad game. Maybe you don't believe he's quite at that level of a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes, but that team is uh, legit. That team has got uh, a good vibe going, and it's going to be a handful for the Cardinals to deal with. Well, they they love to run the ball, whether yep. it's with Miles Sanders or, or Jalen Hurts. They, mm-hmm. They've got guys that can run the ball. They've got great receivers that can get deep, and Devontae Smith, they picked up A.J. Brown. This is a really good football team, so this is an opportunity... I think maybe for the first or second time this year for the Cardinals to really make a statement. Not many people gave them a chance against Kansas City in week one, and rightly so. No, no. The Rams, yes, the Super Bowl champs come to town. If you can knock them off, you're going to make some waves. Uh, Beating Carolina does nothing in in the national perspective for the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. You beat a team that comes in. There's one team through four weeks that's, that's undefeated. And the Philadelphia Eagles are flying high. If the, if the Cardinals can find a way to slow them down and notch a victory and be three and two, we've talked about how fortunate oh, they should feel at oh, yeah. two and two. Goodness, right. can you imagine talking about a three and two? If, team? if they get to three and two, they essentially achieve their goal for yes. the DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. getting three uh, wins before D Hop comes back. Yeah, listen, I I, I think that um that that goal is right there for this football team and that would be a, that would be a nice milestone to hit especially with what's been in the rearview mirror uh, but the eagles defense is going to be a big challenge for the cardinals because it it's funny because as somebody that really believed in the eagles this year i was stunned in week 1 when the lions came roaring back on them and scored i think 35 points on the eagles uh-huh. that day it was nuts and i thought wait a minute that's not what i expected to see in philly they'll tell you that you know the the eagles defense much like the cardinals did not play a snap of preseason football. Uh, they were not allowed to tackle in practice. So there might have been some rust on them. They've been pretty good ever since. And they the Lions have the Vikings. A, a really good offense, it turns out. Yeah, that's true. And a really yeah. bad defense. And a really bad defense. They right. lead the league in points, mm-hmm. and they're still negative in point differential yeah, by right. one. And so and and they they faced a little early adversity against Jacksonville with um you know giving up a defensive touchdown and they came back in that game. So you're getting a football team that's a little sturdier than most. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good litmus test for the Cardinals. It really is. And 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 I guess what I'm saying is we're going to find out if they've turned a corner. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury was asked yesterday in his press conference, how long can you rely on this defense to uh, carry the slow offense? About six more days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that team we're playing has been really, really good on offense and scored a lot of points, particularly in the first half. They're getting way out on people. So um, if we play like that Sunday, it'll be a, a long day. Yeah, um, the offense has got to get get going that's not breaking news but uh in his interview with wolf and luke yesterday kingsbury talked about uh being encouraged by what the defense has been able to show the last couple of weeks and especially against carolina yeah encouraged by the the fight and the resiliency you know and the effort um talent's definitely there it's just execution and and um play calling operation all those things have not uh been what what they should be or we need them to be and and that's something that's all fixable and correctable and uh we got to get better in a hurry coming up uh against philly on sunday man there might be help on the way too antonio hamilton is eligible to return he can start practicing tomorrow he can be activated and what we had heard about antonio hamilton's recovery from his from his kitchen accident was he was ahead of schedule but they put him on ir so he had to miss four weeks 
I'm wondering if he can hit the ground running uh, yeah. and pick up where he left off because he was getting raved about at, at the tail end. Yeah, of camp. no, that's true. That's true. But again, it's it's also we've heard that a lot about guys training camp prowess. Not so take that with a grain of salt. But I do think he's a good player, and and I do think adding some depth to that room is is important. And um, yeah, so I'm 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 excited for that. I think any any reinforcements will help this football team. Yeah, and uh, credit where credit's due at the cornerback position as well. Byron Murphy Jr. had another really good game on Sunday against Carolina. Again, you know, you got to consider the quarterback. Baker Mayfield really struggled. Uh, Byron Murphy um, graded out at 73.5, fourth highest grade on the defense, was targeted seven times, gave up two catches for 15 yards. You'll take that every week. And after what he did, you know, earlier against Devontae mm-hmm. Adams, and even in a loss, the Cardinals did a good job of bracketing and containing Cooper Cup. You saw what he could do last night. I mean, Cooper Cup had four catches against the Cardinals. He yeah. had 14 last night I know. in a loss. I know. I know. I listen. I, I, think, I think Byron Murphy Jr. has been better than I thought he was going to be this year. And again, it's it's I, I I'm going to I'm going to like the caveat is one of the big takeaways from that game was just how bad Baker Mayfield was. In fact, bad enough to the point where people are saying his career is done. He's never going to get another shot after this. That's how bad he looked. How bad was he? He looked like an undersized quarterback with an average arm. Yeah, among those people saying Baker could be done, Stephen A. Baker Mayfield, you look awful. <laughs> Just awful. You do not look like a starting quarterback in the National Football League. And your career is in jeopardy Mm. because that's how sorry you look. (laughs) He's right. I mean, that's a little hyperbolic and it might be a little personal, but that's a little overdramatic. Maybe a little overdramatic. Well, yeah. (laughs) Par for the course. uh, Baker Mayfield. You are a disaster. You look awful. Yeah, and but but he really did. It was really one of my takeaways. I'm like, I can't believe this guy is this bad. Well, do you hear Baker's quotes too? I mean, they're already booing him, and yeah. he says after the game, well, we don't even care when, about them. We don't care about the fans. As soon as we start winning, it'll still just be us in the locker room. Right. That's always he's good. already That's greasing always the skids good. for his next uh, his next stop. Yeah, there's not going to be a next stop. He's going to be he and Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen got like seven yeah. shots. Right. Baker will get another yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he's humble enough to take a backup job somewhere, you'd think he could. I was thinking about this when Josh Rosen came up earlier. He's not on a roster right now, right? Is he an XFL guy or a USFL guy next <laughs> next spring? Why not? He's going to be the MVP. He Jared might be Lodge. like the number one pick He's of the gay. draft this year. <laughs> of the Birmingham Stallions uh-huh. Uh-huh. of the USFL. Uh, Jay Feely, we didn't catch up with him here. He'll uh, join us at 8.15 oh, today. So we'll talk good, some good, football good. with Jay at 8.15. Coming up next, though, Bix got the blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.